We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to go through only four verses. Uh, chapter 6, verse 1 through 4. And it's on parenting. So I asked my wife, the mother of my children, hey, want to do something fun? <laughs> <laughs> you love being on stage. <laughs> um, so I figured, hey, let's have the mother of my children come to speak to moms. I think you'd do a lot better at it than I would. So, so she's like, ugh. Okay, <laughs> my partner in parenting. Uh, this message is going to be different. It, it is going to be different. So as you tune in and, and how to listen, expect it, it is a different message. Part of it, part of what we want to do is we want to kind of open up our doors to you all, to the Lassard family, and let you know a little bit about us and a little bit about our journey and, and story as a family. Um, and, uh, and then we'll also look at God's word and what he says, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. And then as we go through that, we want to share some different things, some of our kind of experiences within those, those truths of those passages as well. So it'll be a little different. And then we're going, to spend, we're going to finish the service in prayer. So it'll be different. So here we go. Let's dive in. Um, many of you don't know some of my story that I was married before. Uh, for a little over four years, I was married, and I had three little boys in that time. Um, and uh, I was actually going to Bible college at that time, and our family blew up, and my wife at that time didn't want to be married anymore, and she didn't want to be a mom anymore. And I had uh, biblical grounds for divorce, and I didn't want it, but she didn't want to reconcile. And so that led to uh, me being a single dad, and the state awarded me full custody. She wasn't fit and, uh, for a variety of reasons at that time. And so I became a, a full-time dad of my five-year-old, 22-month-old, and five-and-a-half-month-old boys. Uh, two in diapers. And so full-time, full you know, full-on. Um, and uh, so in that, I committed to the Lord um, for a year to stay single intentionally for the purpose of restoration and reconciliation. I was hoping and praying towards that end um, for healing myself in the midst of my own brokenness. And then if there was something different, something else. Well, I came to the end of that time and God did make it clear that that season was done. He did bring that relationship together and people still have choice. And, and so with that, there was a pruning that took place so that there was a different bearing of fruit moving forward. And that was, that was what he had made clear to me at that time. And so soon after that year period, that commitment uh, was made, I met Lisa. I was 30 and single and was happy with just myself and my dog. Um, I was, I was, <laughs> I was done with relationships and, um, and God had a different plan, of course. Um, but, uh, my dog and I met Pat and the boys and, um, it was within six months that we met and were married and it was an absolute act of God because I wasn't going to do that. And, um, that wasn't my plan. Um, in fact, I had surrendered my singleness to the Lord and was content with that, but that was just 
months after my brother had said, you know, maybe God doesn't have it for you to be married. And I remember being mad and annoyed at that, but it took some time to process that and, and to be okay with that. So the fact that it, we had such a quick turnaround uh, was absolutely all God. And I wasn't going to go for somebody that had kids and that was younger than me and wore socks with sandals. So. I thought you liked socks and sandals. Burn. Rough. Anyways, where were we? Uh, so, so, we uh, so we just knew God brought us together. It was just clear. He was restoring her, me, um, my boys. And, uh, and so, so, um, uh, so we were married, and soon after that, she's pregnant, horribly sick for five months, ended up uh, coming longer home. Longer than that. Um, a bit early, and not just in the mornings either. Right. Um, it's weird. Um, and so you came home, and you became a stay-home mom of boys you didn't birth, three of them, instantly, insta-mom. And, uh, and then you know, pregnant with our daughter, of course. And so that's the beginning of our story, okay? Yeah, that was within a year. Yeah, yep. Um, so we just want to highlight, just the, okay, we've been together for 14 years now. We want to highlight some of the good times and some of the low times, okay? Um, so some of the good times, little... Uh, trek down memory lane here. Uh, fun moments. Um, some of my funnest moments have been building snow ramps in our front yard in Coeur d'Alene for our kids um, and then the neighborhood kids, they'd always go down and uh, sled every, every winter. Yeah. Um, mine was... Uh, Isn't that cool? The, the kids at the ocean, I, I love it so much. They, they love water, um, but they're, they just get nuts at the ocean. They love the water, they love the waves, they love the sand. It's just, it's pure joy. Yeah, love it. Um, special moments. Maggie's birth, our daughter, Maggie's birth. Uh, went down in history. She was born in a parking lot under the night sky. There's a lot to that. Thank you. <laughs> Um, our oldest son, Connor's 18th birthday and high school graduation party was just so special. Just so many loved family and friends. It was just so big. And then Eli, Elijah, flying a plane. That was awesome. <laughs> Pretty cool. He likes it a little bit. Um, for me, I was thinking about Owen. Um, Owen wrote and sang and performed a song for me for my birthday this last year. Pretty cool. Um, great joys. I love toddlers, those toddler years. Um, just the simple, fun, sweet, sad, happy, you know, the simplicity, I love it. Um, and then in large part, I've loved a lot of the teen years, that kind of independence and growing into themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm loving the teen years. Um, that's where we currently are with three of them. But um, they, they all just have such great friendships and they get along most of the time and they enjoy being around each other most of the time. So that's some good times. And then there's been some hard times. Uh, in all honesty, uh, some scary moments. Uh, there's been times where we didn't know if we were going to make it. We didn't know if we were going to work through some of the stuff that we were, we were facing. Um, greatest struggle we'd have to both say financially tight. Mm -hmm. uh, not been fun. 
Now, part of that was choice. Part of that was we chose single income family. That, that's a thing. That's, you know, that's a choice. That's a, that's a priority. We're going to do it. And we also chose to be faithful in giving to God through his church. That's a choice, right? And so those things coupled with other stuff, yeah, this is, this is a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a little bit of the hard, okay? Uh, miss the most. I miss the little people and the little fuzzy PJs and the bedtime stories and things like that. Little booties and the, the, whole, the whole nine yards. I miss that. I miss, uh, I don't know if this is actually the right, um, right thing that I miss, but you don't know when the last times are. And so I miss all the lasts. Like you don't know when the last time you're going to carry someone, the last time they're going to come and tell you they had a scary dream, the last time you're cutting their food. Um, it definitely miss those things I didn't know I was going to miss. Last time you're going to change a diaper. Eh. Man, I miss that. <laughs> So, little window into us. Uh, here's where we are now. We got a, in the middle, we got daughter-in-law, Lauren, uh, uh, with child, with grandchild. So, excited about that. Um, so, some big family news for the Lassards is uh, after 14 years, Lisa, just this last Monday, uh, adopted the boys as hers legally. Big stuff. <laughs> Big stuff. Uh, a couple reflections as we then we'll, we'll dive into our message here. Uh, as I reflect on parenting and, and the last uh, 21 years of parenting, um, we want you to know uh, we are not perfect. I think that needs to be said. We're, we're not per, uh, perfect parents. Our kids are not perfect kids. Our family's not a perfect family. So as you look in, you will see imperfections. Uh, we've learned as parents a ton about God. As we've had that opportunity to be in the process of raising other human beings, we get to experience a bit of what he experiences. Uh, The joys and the sadness and the sorrows and the struggles and everything in between. We've learned a ton about him along the way. And then also uh, for me, every family is different. Every mom's different, dad's different, um, every man is different, woman's different, every child's different. Therefore, every family is different. And I want to just encourage you, caution you, don't fall into the trap. Resist the trap of comparing your low times to other people's highlight reels. It's not fair. Don't, don't do it. What about for you, honey? Well, um, you know, we're, we're talking about a blended family, um, but... And, and we've, we've heard that there's 72 variations of a blended family. Um, but, but it's not just about blended families. I mean, because there's, there's no family that looks alike. And um, I think with blended family, the, the part that I really struggled with early on was that there was no situation like mine. And for me, it was any and every book I read or whatever I heard, you know, they, they talked about stepmoms in a way as a very... Um, you know, uh, almost second-rate way. I mean, there's a term out there, step monster, right? Um, and I'm sure you guys have heard that. But I was in this situation where we weren't, we didn't have visitations back and forth, and um, in there was no one else having input. It was, it was us. It was, it was me. And so all of the stepmom terminology really didn't feel like it fit. And so I really struggled with that, and I felt alone, and I felt lonely in that. And 
and we had a counselor friend who really challenged me in that, and, and just the idea of there's no other situation exactly like yours. So that's true, but what also is true is everybody else knows struggle too, and knows hard times too. And so I had to kind of readjust and um, think, think differently. I wasn't alone, and, and I think that's what God has used um, in our lives, like to be able to walk out a godly family with other families, and and like in First Thess- Thessalonians, um, you know, th- it says to encourage one another and to build each other up. And I feel like we've been able to use our story, our situation, in order to do that with others. Mm-hmm. Amen. I agree. Well, let's dive in. Uh, Ephesians six one through four. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I love how Ephesians is laid out, how God engineered the book of Ephesians. The first three chapters, the first half, laying out the gospel, laying out by grace through faith, laying out in Christ this and this and this and this. 21 times that phrase is used. And it sets up the, the, the transformational power of Jesus. And then it goes into the next three chapters of how that transformational power of Jesus transforms every fiber of your being and in every relationship. And so last week, we looked at uh, the role of a husband and a wife. If you missed that, it was a fantastic message. And, uh, and so God lays out this, this roadmap for the church. And then now he's talking about parents. So within the home, what, this, what he calls us to. And for us, we're looking at walking out a godly family, not a perfect family. Those are two different things. Walking out a godly family, meaning walking out family God's way, what he says, okay? So this is what we're going to go through, these, these four verses. So number one here, point one, children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. And this is specifically minors, right, under the, the authority of um, you're not an adult yet. Children, obey your parents. Obeying means listening. Listening means obeying. It is one and the same to God. It's one and the same. Case in point, in the ancient Hebrew language, the word for listen is shema. There is not another word for obey. It is one and the same. So if God tells you something, he's expecting you to, yep, Exactly. It's not very complicated. It's not very complicated. So for us in that parenting front, as I call a, a child, it's not really a matter of, did you hear me? It's a, why aren't you doing what I told you to do? Okay, that's really what it is. And we can carry that into our relationship with God as well. Did you hear me? It's not that. Why aren't you doing what I told you to do here? Okay, so listening is obeying. Now, there's a caveat here. It's really important. Children obey your parents as long as parents aren't asking their kids to sin or leading their kids to sin 
or leading their kids to compromise themselves, compromise others, compromise God's values and standards. So there, there is a limitation there that we are not to follow parents as, if they're calling us to uh, compromise what God has clearly said. The power of this is in the position of a parent because it's an authoritative position. It's an, a position in authority and under authority. We see it in the passage. As it says, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Parents are in positions of authority and under authority. Would love to have you share about being under God's authority as a parent. Yeah, I mean, just like you were just saying, it is obey in the Lord. It's not obey in me or obey in us. You know, it's obey in the Lord. Um, and, and for me, I, I think of how we just talked about last week in, in the prior chapter in Ephesians about submitting. You know, just as I submit to you, um, you know, kids are obeying me. And when I'm submitting to you, I'm submitting to the Lord. When, I'm, when my kids are obeying me, they're obeying the Lord. And there is a visual picture I was given, you know, long ago about like God standing behind my spouse or, um, or behind me with kids, you know, and it's like as we're obeying, we're obeying the Lord. Um, I think the other part too is it's about stewardship, not ownership. They are God's kids and he's entrusted them to me. And in this case, I have four, four of these gifts. And, um, and it's a matter of stewarding them well. And I'm responsible to God. I have to answer to him. When, when I'm all done, I answer to him. <laughs> and not just when I'm all done, but, um, but the, the thought in um, answering to God, you know, he knows them best. He knows them past and present. He knows everything that, you know, that um, makes them tick. Uh, he just, he cares way more than I could. And he's in control. I'm not. Mm -hmm. I, when I heard that concept of he loves them more than I could ever, and they are his first more than they're mine, that had been such a game changer for me. I have held on to that. That has been so important for me. That in the midst of my imperfections or whatever my limitations are, God cares way more than I could ever in my entire life for them. God knows far better than I will ever for them. He shaped them, fashioned them. He did that. I didn't do that. I have this part and I need, I'm 100% responsible for this part. But he knows how to perfect parenting them through his process of life far beyond me. Amen? Mm. That was huge. I've held Even on to that. Even when it's hard. Especially Even, when it's hard. Especially when it's hard. Hold on to that. Yeah. It's good. All right. So children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. According to who? Especially as they grow up and they get uh, more communicative Right and stronger opinions, right? Right to who? This isn't a matter of, and even parents, like mom and dad, right? Being on the same page of what is right and a right way to parent or a right way to discipline or a right way of whatever, that's a big deal. God's not saying subjective, your opinion, your opinion, your opinion, your opinion. It's objective. 
It is that which corresponds to reality, meaning that which is true, that which is real. His order of things, his design, what, through his authoritative word, what he has already made clear. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for it's right, according to all that is right and true and lovely and admirable and praiseworthy. Children, obey your parents as long as you're under them. And he goes on, honor your father and mother. Honor your father and mother. Now, we're just kind of moved in the application of this from being a minor in the home of a parent to every single one of us is a child. And this principle of honoring your father and mother for this is the first command with a promise, this applies to every single one of us as long as your parents are alive. So honor your father and mother. So we're gonna define it and qualify it. Defining honor, pretty simple, meaning reverence, to give respect. So there's humanity and then a step above them so humanity, a tr intrinsic value by God, honor, dignity, worth, because everyone's been made in his image and his likeness. And then there's your mom and your dad. There's nobody else like them in that position. And so they, they have a special reverence and respect for your mom and your dad. Okay? So that's defining it. Now, it's pretty easy to show honor, give honor to honorable people. Wouldn't you agree? And it's pretty easy to give respect to respectable people or um, trust to trustworthy people, right? That's pretty natural. What about when they're not? Then what? What about when they're dishonorable? What about when there's been abandonment or abuse or they've been manipulative and they're not trustworthy? What, what about when, if they're not safe? Right? It's not about just like making uh, failures as a parent, but what if they are consistently dishonorable? Can you honor them then? Do you have to honor them then? What does God think? Share some thoughts. Take, <laughs> what, take the tough one. What God one. thinks? <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> um, well, my answer is yes. I, I believe that it's always possible. Um, and and what I'm talking about is it's possible um, to show respect. It, it's possible to honor. Um, so, so it is possible. <laughs> Does it make it easy? You know, not necessarily. But it's not about always agreeing with or trusting um, or even obeying. It, it, it's not, it doesn't just go together that easily, especially if they haven't been honorable or done honorable things. Um, you know, my parents were that. They, they didn't, they weren't respectable a lot of the time, and they uh, didn't do respectable things. Um, but I had to learn how to uh, work through that and, and still show them honor. Um, and, you know, thank God I was able to do that before they passed. Um, but I don't know if I would have if it wasn't commanded. I, I had the instruction I, I had something that I was being told and taught that said I needed to do this. Um, so, so I did. Um, but I also carry this now forward as I'm a parent and I want my kids to honor me and show me respect. But that means to me I need to be honorable and respectable. 
So just as an overall um, way of being, I want to live an honorable life that makes it easy for them to honor and respect me. Um, I, I would say they do. Um, and we're not talking about all these moments, moments of failure or mm -hmm. hardships, because that, that exists too. But. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love what God does with this. Uh, so he says, honor your father and mother. This is the first uh, commandment with a promise. And then he says, so that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Mm -hmm. I love this. Okay. So now part of this is very contextual. Okay. Uh, Ten Commandments are in two places. You should know where the, they are if you don't, okay? Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5. Now, this is to the Hebrew people, the Hebrew nation, as they are going to go into the promised land, okay? So that's not us. So does it still apply? Yes, yes it does, okay? So what God did, what the Holy Spirit did through Paul was grab that commandment out of the law and brought it into the grace and uh, the new covenant into the church and said, this is still important. The principle here is still important. Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you. Okay. So part of it's uh, the, the application and uh, the principle of that still applies to us today because God said so. He says it's pretty important. Okay. And it still applies for, uh, um, it, well, let me say it this way. I love how he says, honor your father and mother, this is what I've called you to, so that it may go well with you. What I take from that is, it's not about the rules for rules sake. God is not about rules for rules sake. And I see the same thing in the 10 commandments as well. The first four commandments are not about rules about God in order to be good enough. They're about relationship with God and preserving, protecting relationship with God. And then the next six commandments are about preserving and protecting relationship with other people. God is a relational God. He, he made us like him and we are to value and protect relationships. So honor your father and mother so that it will go well with you. It's not about the rules for rules sake. And so when it comes to rules and parenting, there's a lot of rules, right? But I really have loved and valued how my wife has navigated rules, not being for rules sake, but so that it would go well for our kids. I would love to have you just kind of share some of those things that you've processed and principles and things for you in that. Well, you said it's not a matter of saying because I said so. True. Yeah. Um, but I've said that a lot. <laughs> so, which I don't think I've ever heard you say it. So that's great. But anyway, um, I think, you know, it's, it's about um, our kids are different. I mean, certainly our four are, but they all are. We all are. And there's some that tend to the obedient side a little more easily, more naturally, and then those that are on the independent side, right? Um, and what I came to realize was the more obedient one doesn't always have to have a good heart to obey when obeying comes naturally for them. So they could be doing what you asked them when you asked them and muttering all the way, right? Um, 
and then on the other side with the more independent ones, um, th just because they're not doing exactly what was asked at the exact right time doesn't mean that their heart is bad. You know, sometimes it's a matter of doing it their own way, their own route, their own timing, but still having an obedient nature. And so I think that was huge because it, it really is a matter of looking at the heart. And, and, and to me, that was always the most important. And I think that's what's most important to God, right? He knows our heart. Um, he's the only one who does. And, and so in, in parenting, I, I use the same way um, to try to know what's in the heart. So it might be a conversation of why they're not obeying or whatever. But um, it was always relationship focused and it was always future focused because um, I care about who they are right now, how they are right now, and who they're gonna be. And that, that's what I believe God does, right? Uh, in, in Hebrews, it, it tells us, God disciplines us and it's for our good. So I would like to think I'm doing the same thing and um, that I'm correcting them because I care, because I care about who they are and, um, and how they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I swear I'm not just nitpicking you. <laughs> I care for you and your future and your future engagements and relationships and responsibilities. I'm not just picking on you, right? That future, that future. He continues and he goes, uh, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father. So parents, uh, don't provoke your children to anger. Okay. Now he addresses fathers, and I think there's a couple reasons why he singles out fathers on this front. Uh, what was said last week regarding the male role within the Roman civilization was that uh, men were owners of people, places, things, okay? And so husbands owned wives. And where God's saying, my standard is, uh, you are actually to have this intrinsic value of dignity, worth, and respect uh, equal, and they're not your property. Same with kids. Kids are not your property. So there's a contextual piece of it of going, uh, these are my human beings worthy of dignity, value, and respect, and uh, I made them, and they are, just, they are equal to your value. Just because you are bigger and they're smaller, just because you're older and they're younger, that does not change their dignity, value, and worth by God. Super important, right? So God is challenging that cultural norm and saying, this is actually my standard, Okay. And then there's that father role piece of it that's unique. It's not the mother role. And the mother role, we'll talk about on Mother's Day in its own way, right? But the fathers, there is numerous studies that say this same truth. I pulled this from, from one study. The role of dads are linked nearly to every measure of a child's well-being. The unique role of a father is associated to nearly every measure of a child's well-being. I know and have had the uh, opportunity to journey with 50, 60-year-old men still working through their fathers, not uh, their fathers provoking them to anger. Colossians 3.21 
says the same verse with a little different language. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. 321, that word discouraged in the Greek, it means to lose heart or to break their spirit. So you would be parenting in such a rough, aggressive way that you would devalue them in seeing their value, dignity, worth as their own human being made in God's image and God's likeness. That you would, that they would lose heart, that they would, their spirit would be broken by your lack of consideration, right? The Amplified Bible is really unique, and I'm going to pull it up here in a second. Ephesians 6, 4 in the Amplified Bible. Um, The Amplified Bible basically takes a magnifying glass to certain words, and it expounds it. So it gives it a a lot more kind of language. So read this with me here. Fathers, uh, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them but bring them up tenderly with loving kindness and the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It's big, mm-hmm. it's big. I like what God does with this passage. He says, don't do this, but rather do this. He doesn't leave you empty handed going, just don't do this stuff, you know? Well, there's a part of that. But he says, don't do this stuff, rather do this stuff. Okay, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Say it loud and proud with me. This is really important. <laughs> but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Lord. Okay, let's hold on to that. Discipline and instruction to train, to tutor, to correct, to guide. Um, instruction to warn, to rebuke. Okay, role of a parent, leading, shaping, guiding. Towards what end? Towards whose goal? My goal? My goal for my kids because they're mine? Of what I see as being for my goal for them to be rich? For my goal for them to be accomplished? According to my standards of accomplishment and expectations and success? according to the world and what the world says success is. But bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the... It's not about my goals. For them. God made them. God designed them. God shaped them. God has goals for them. God has a calling for them. My part is to help them fulfill that, not mine. That's not my part, right? We got to know where my part is, where their part is, and where God's part is, and where one ends and the other begins, right? Discipline and instruction of the, it's about his goals. His goal is Christ-likeness. And that probably spells out in a thousand different ways within their lives, Super crucial. Isn't God's word good? He is good. He is good. 
I love it. All right, so I'm just going to read this here, and then we're going to transition into some uh, prayer time. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise, that it may go well with you, and you may live long in the land. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Won't you share a final thought? Well, I don't think it's all about parenting. Um, you know, we read this huge um, uh, Christian research study. They said it was one of the biggest ever done. I didn't fact, fact check that. But um, they, they said that it takes three to five non-parental involvements in a youth's life for them to thrive. So not just getting by, right? They, they said thrive. And I think that's so important for all of us. I mean, if, if you don't have kids, or if kids are out of the home, whatever that is, um, we, we have seen the benefit of that. Um, you know, family members, and, and when we weren't by um, immediate family, our church was the family. They have so many aunts and uncles, so many grandparents, um, so many people looking out for them and praying for them and, and being a part of the family. And that's what church is, right? It's intended to be the family. And so... I believe this applies for everyone, that everyone's kid should have three to five non-parental involvements. Yeah, I think that's why he, part of why he made the church, right? We need each other, right? So, so in, in this time, we want to just, uh, the, the finish of the service is uh, giving you time to pray, giving you time to have a conversation with the Lord. I imagine there's a lot of things that could be stirred up within this message. Okay, there's, I think there's a lot of different fronts. And so, um, so I'm going to lead you through uh, several thoughts, and you could be totally somewhere else. God might have brought you somewhere else. That's absolutely fine. Yeah, go, go where he takes you. Um, we're going to have this song sung because there's one perfect father, and he knows how to shepherd and parent our hearts perfectly. And so we're going we're gonna to sing this song over you. And maybe that kind of assists you in your time of prayer and your conversation with the Lord. Great. Do that. If you happen to be somewhere else in your, in your prayer and your conversation with the Lord, perfect. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Jesus said, my house is to be a house of prayer. So that's how we're going to finish this, this day up here in this. So a, a, a few kind of questions to ponder. Is there forgiveness that you need to afford a parent or parents for their lacking? Is there a canceling of debt that you need to say that God is asking you to trust him with? That his son was already beat up for their wrongs, paid in full, blood of Jesus Christ, and you need to cancel that debt, they owe you nothing. And they may not be here anymore, but you would cancel that debt and you would put it on Jesus in faith. You would say, Jesus, your payment was sufficient for their faults and their wrongs. In faith, I trust you. I forgive them, I cancel that debt and I'm not gonna hold this, that, and the other against them anymore. Is there, as a parent, is there forgiveness that you need to give to a child or children that have not done the first part, 
obeying well? Is there a canceling of debt paid in full by the blood of Jesus? You transfer those wrongs in faith. You're not going to carry those. Or maybe it's the 900th, the 99th time you've had this conversation with the Lord. You continue to do that work in canceling that debt paid in full by Jesus. Maybe it's you as a child in you yourself not walking out that obedience and that honor and that reverence really well. Maybe there's a conversation there with the Lord and asking for forgiveness there. Trusting. Maybe there's a forgiveness of self. I I think in parenting, I think a lot of parents carry guilt and shame. Man, if I just would have done this, I wish I wouldn't have done that. What did I do wrong? Where did I go off? And I see head nods. It's tough. There's not one of us that does it perfectly. There's only one that did do it perfectly. And I want to bring this to your attention. Look at God's first kids. What did they do? They rebelled against him. He said, do not do one thing. Do all these other things. There's only one thing. Please don't do this thing. And what did they do? And then his grandkids, and I use that term loosely, okay? The second generation. What did they do? One kills the other. So there's only one perfect parent. It's not us. Maybe there's a forgiveness of self in accepting God's mercy. That's what I mean by that. Accepting God's mercy for yourself. Saying, in faith, Jesus Christ, I paid in full blood of Jesus for my faults. I'm not going to beat myself up anymore. My, the son was already beat up. Maybe you've had great examples and you've been blessed. Thank God for those. Spend time conversate, uh, conversing with the Lord in appreciation of those examples that you've had. Maybe for you there's been a call to be more involved with your kids or to be involved differently with your kids. Or maybe like my wife was saying with that study, maybe there's a calling to be more involved with someone else's kids or someone else's family in discipling and investing in. What's God stirring in you? Let's take some time to pray. Let's pray.